everybody. Hey, guys. Welcome back. It's Don't Fuck With Ghosts, the podcast about all <laughs> things haunted, spooky, and supernatural. We are your Blost sisters. I am Betsy. I am Greer. And this is part two of our extraterrestrial, otherworldly discussion that we are continuing from last episode. Um, but before we get into that, we wanted to read a listener story because it's been a while since... We've done one. It has been a while. I think since Mary Krampus. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so um, I'm very excited to continue hearing from you guys and reading your stories on the show. It's just, I love it so much. <laughs> okay, so today's listener story um, is about a portal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really scary. <laughs> um, but they wrote, hi girls, I love the paranormal and scarier the better. I know this is going to be a long story. I'm going to use different names to protect my family. I'm from Arizona, and when I was about 18 to 19 years old, my cousin moved into my parents' house. Let's call him Chad. So Chad is into black magic, and he thought he can control this portal he opened in my parents' house. Never assume that you're going to be able to control a portal. They're not meant to be controlled. And don't open them in the first place. Yeah, that's usually a good rule to live by. Um, (laughs) So he got so freaked out because he saw two black shadow things, one with red eyes and the other one with blue eyes. So one night he couldn't handle that anymore and he moved back east to live with his parents. Can you believe that he opened a portal and was like, uh, oops, sorry. I'm sorry, bye. Um, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. That is (laughs) fucked. Damn. I get the creeps every time I think about it, even though I'm a grown-ass 35-year-old man. That's I'm sure I'm going to be still thinking about all the scary shit until I die. So. We don't get braver as we age. No. If anything, <laughs> this is what get, I've learned. The more we learn about the world, the more scared we become. Yep. But anyways, my father, let's call him Bruce, and I are white Wittekins. And so I looked up, I tried to look up what a Wittekin was, and the only result I could find were was something from Transformers. Like, people that know that can, like, find Transformers that are on Earth. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that... I'm, I'm wondering if he just misspelled Wiccans. That's possible. Like a typo. So I'm going to go with Wiccans. All right. We can feel the darkness throughout the house. So my father, Bruce, and I close his bedroom where the portal is, and no one is allowed to go into his room. When I moved back home from California, so many things have happened. My niece, who was about three at the time, fell asleep, and I put her into her crib. My brother, let's call him Brady, and I were in my room which was about six feet away from her, she somehow climbed out of her crib and was crying, saying she saw a shadow monster. She was also ice cold to the touch. Oh. So my brother Brady calmed her down enough to go back to sleep, and she slept with me in my room. A few weeks passed, and I meet my girlfriend, now wife. We were at my house watching TV in the living room. When I turned off the TV before heading to bed, some of my niece and nephew's toys went off. At that moment, my brother Brady came running out. He looked at e- We looked at each other with a what-the-fuck look on our faces. I asked him if the kids were sleeping. He said yes, so we both went to the living room and investigated the toys. We looked at the toys, and he pre- proceeded to tell me that they were broken, and I asked, how the fuck did they go off then? He shrugged his shoulders, and we both went back to our rooms. <laughs> I stayed up for about another hour, but nothing else happened. Fast forward a month later, my niece and nephew were in my nephew's room playing. I was in the living room watching TV, and then I heard a loud crash. My nephew came running out and said he didn't do anything, and my niece came out crying and holding her face. And when she removed her hand, there were three scratch marks. Right then, I knew what it was. I was steaming pissed. Oh, steaming piss. Oh, gross. (laughs) And cursed my cousin Chad out. After that, I told my father, Bruce, we need to do something. And he and I did a little ritual and made that room a place to stay in without being hurt. 
with me being 35 and with a four-year-old, I feel really uncomfortable with leaving him there or even taking him there. Even with it being light out, I still have to turn the hallway light on because I feel like someone is watching over me yeah. and, and to feel somewhat safe. But I know it doesn't help much. Thanks for reading my story. And if you guys want to use this on your podcast, please do. Stay ghostly and keep up the good work and stay safe. Oh, thank you for saying that in. That is terrifying. That is so terrifying. I don't I don't know what I would do, man. I don't know either. I would be one pissed at my cousin for leaving a opening open a portal, portal in my house or I guess his parents' house, but still. That's just rude, man. Yeah, well do that in your own <laughs> fucking house. <laughs> keep that to yourself. Yeah, more of the story, don't open portals and if you do, deal with it. And it's so, oh, it's just always so much scarier when there are young children and any children, but young children especially. That is so Ugh. scary. But thank you for sending yeah. that story in. Thank you so much. So reminder: send us your stories. Dfwgpodcast at gmail Um, and I think there was one other thing we wanted to talk about before we get into our next story, which is an update on Sad Girl Book Club. So I actually finished a book today before I came over here. I was reading a book. It was called The Grieving Brain, The Surprising Science of How We Learn from Love and Loss by Mary Frances O'Connor. I finished it like literally 1.45 today before I drove over. Um, But it was a really interesting book. I've been reading a lot of books about grief and most of them have been more like anecdotal and kind of more emotionally based. So it was really interesting to read something about the neuroscience behind like literally what happens to your brain when you're grieving and when you've lost like a very prominent, like loved one in your life. Um, like you just learn about how like your brain has to essentially completely rewire itself and completely relearn everything about your existence with this person no longer being there. And it like, how it's so hard for it to make sense that this person is gone forever and like the science behind all that. Um, I just thought it was really interesting and it, it also hit me kind of harder emotionally than some of the other books I've read because it just proves that like love and grief is like ingrained into us on like a cellular molecular level. It's like in our brain chemistry. Yeah. It's like a part of us as human beings, like in our makeup, not just an emotion that you experience. Um, So that Mm -hmm. was, like, very – it was very um, just validating to read. And I really enjoyed it, and I recommend to anybody who is going through loss. What was it called again? The Grieving Brain. Okay. Yeah. By, yeah, Mary Frances O'Connor, Ph.D. Um, I just really recommend it. And then the next book on my list is called On Grief and Grieving. Can you tell that there's a theme here? (laughs) Um, but it's by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who is the woman who wrote On Death and Dying, and she's the one who developed the five stages of grief. Oh, wow. But what's interesting is that, which I didn't know until recent months, the five stages of grief are actually supposed to be for people, the people who are dying. So, like, she did studies of people with terminal diseases, and oh, the wow. five stages that she writes about are the stages that the ill people go through until they ultimately accept their own mortality and like not everybody goes through these stages um but she said that it was frustrating over the years to realize that people had taken the five stages of grief and meant to apply it to the grieving people of like the loved ones of the person who has died um because it led to a lot of misconceptions about like the um pathologization of that the word 
like pathologizing grief mm-hmm. and saying like, you check this box, this box, this box, and then you've accepted it and you moved on. Um, and she was like, it's great if these stages help give meaning to people who are grieving. And like, if you experience these stages, that's fine, but that's not what it was intended for. And so she wrote a book called on grief and grieving. And it's about, I forget what the little tagline is, but it's essentially sort of like making sense of loss through the five stages that she had written about in her career previously. Um, so I think it should be an interesting read. And then I also want to start reading the Hobbit. Oh, yeah. Because I want to read the Lord of the Rings series because I'm looking for a new fantasy series to get into. And I read Harry Potter a couple of years ago when sort of all this stuff first started happening. So I don't really want to revisit it right now. Um, But I want to give something else a try. So I also bought The Hobbit. So a lot of book updates in this fantasy is also just really good because it's I feel like that feels like such an escape. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just, it's another world. Yeah. Like a literal other world. Exactly. Like, I don't think I could relate very well right now to a novel, just like a regular novel about a person who lives on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I feel like I could get myself, I feel like I would become angry at like not them not relating to my situation, which is silly because I would be the one choosing to read the book. But that's exactly why Famously, I want to try to read yeah. Um, the Hobbit and get into the Lord of the Rings because I've never I watched one of the movies don't remember it never read the Um, books so we remember the Lord of the Rings watch party that we went to in high school (laughs) nobody actually watched the movies I wanted to go home (laughs) (laughs) yeah I remember (laughs) yeah so those are my uh recent book sad girl book club updates nice Mm -hmm. you're a lot better at reading books than I am you always have been that's why you're the English major out of the this two of us. True. Well, you're better at maps than me, which is why you're the <laughs> maps major. <laughs> true. Um, but I did finish the book that I talked about last time. We did Sad Girl Book Club. Um, the Carry On, Mr. Bowditch. <gasps> oh, yeah. Which is the book I read in honor of my uncle. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. Oh, I'm like, glad Like, once you I got into... It the swing of just reading it like I I took that mental health day didn't go to work and I just read that book and it was so good and I felt really connected to him and it was yeah it was just really nice to read and I haven't finished a book since I'm (laughs) I read a couple chapters of the Prince Harry book a couple days ago Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's just like really like if I don't have a whole day to devote to reading it's really hard for me to like right now be very intentional about making time to read like before bed because mm-hmm. I'm either like catching up on shows or just mindlessly scrolling and yeah. like I I can feel myself mindlessly scroll and be like I wish I wasn't doing this right now I wish I was doing something else but I can't like get myself to stop it's so hard to stop yeah. the doom scroll sometimes yeah so like I'm at the point where I'm like I might like have to put my physically put my phone somewhere like across the apartment yeah. To, like, get myself to focus on something else, like, for, like, a few hours before bed or something, like, or not, like, a few hours. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but, like, maybe 30 minutes or, like, you know, because it's gotten to the point where I stay up so late because I can't stop myself from scrolling that, like, I, it, like, takes everything in me to just go brush my teeth. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I wanted, I've wanted to do that for a while, but like for so long I had to 
keep my phone with me at all times for just emergency yeah. reasons. So it's like but muscle memory at this point. Yeah, but like I've really wanted to do that. So I think if you should yeah. try it. I should yeah. also, honestly, I should also try it too. But I'm yeah. like, I'm such a, so in the habit of needing my phone near me or I get like really scared that something horrible is going to happen, which I don't think would, knock on wood would happen right yeah. now. But um, yeah, it's really hard to, I also have to really like get myself to sit and read. So it's not like it, it used to come easier to me. It's not like it comes easy to me now. It's like, I definitely have to be like, okay, I'm going to read this afternoon and like, even then I'll pick up my phone and I'll like scroll and they're like, no, read yeah. your goddamn it's like, book. Yeah. It's almost like I reward myself with like, okay, well, if you finish this chapter, then you can go back to scrolling. And it's like, no, yeah. I should just, I like, I want to read to read and like. Well, I not. think, especially as the weather gets nicer and you have your balcony. Well, that's what I did on like, my mental health day. I sat uh, out there all day. Oh, well, not all day, but like all morning. And I read the book. That's what I miss about our last house so much. We had this beautiful porch. front porch and yeah. I was just on that shit all the time i miss it yeah my balcony is big like i know like some apartment complexes they have balconies but they're like pretty small my balcony is big enough that it feels like like, a mini porch yeah it's really nice yeah so that's my update right now i'm reading prince harry and still haven't gotten to the good tea i'm still on like his military section and it's really hard to get through (laughs) i'll be honest the good stuff is coming i'm sure yeah i know that like most people have said that it gets really good at like the end where you learn about all of his stuff that happened with Prince William and yeah. everything. So I'll get there eventually. <laughs> well, I've also been interested in trying audiobooks. Yeah. I've never listened to one. I mean, well, the Harry Potter ones like so long ago, but that could be another option because it I've, counts as reading. I've heard that Ready Player One is a really good audiobook. Ooh. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's like D and D meets um like video game basically mm. yeah i would i would give it a well, try it's like it's like very futuristic right it's like set in the future and some like massive billionaire guy creates this competition i think that's was it the a general movie? synopsis yeah okay mm-hmm. then i recognize that from the movie yeah. then and they have to like do these different challenges and stuff oh which is okay and i think there's some references to D because he incorporates a lot from like his childhood so there's a lot of like old video game and like oh, gamer okay. that's cool like older references stuff. but it's set in the future so it's supposed to be like nostalgic yeah that's cool yeah so sad girl book club tell us what you're reading everybody yeah join the book club <laughs> well don't hopefully you're not sad but we welcome anybody yeah <laughs> this is true <laughs> okay um, do you okay. want to get into your yeah. story yes i want to get into my story it's it's a crazy story. Like, hooey! I can't believe some of this <laughs> some of this stuff actually happened. But I choose to believe it. So today I'm gonna be talking about the various UFO sightings and experiences and abduction experiences that occurred in Berkshire County, Massachusetts on the night of September 1st, 1969. Multiple, multiple accounts on multiple one night. Accounts. Oh boy. Oh boy indeed. So let me set the scene for you, okay? The day is September 1st, 1969. It's Labor Day in Berkshire County, Massachusetts. School and the promise of autumn was right around the corner. Everyone was gearing up to have one last celebration of the summer, but nobody could have predicted what 250 people would have to witness. Now, let me caveat this. I used several sources for this, which I will list in my episode notes. Mm -hmm. Some said 
there was one that said 250 there was another one that said 40 and so like there i'm not sure the exact number of people that witnessed the ufo or had any sort of experience with this otherworldly event mm-hmm. but it was a lot it was multiple it was people. more yeah. than zero <laughs> it was more than it was double digits at least maybe triple digits that is so crazy so yes that is the caveat nobody could have predicted what four families with no connection to one another would have to endure nor the events that would end up tearing a community apart what the fuck why have i never heard of this before i mean i guess i don't do a lot of ufo aliens. did you watch okay so also guys this um whole story is also has a dedicated episode of unsolved mysteries on netflix i don't know if i watched that one okay maybe well i watched it okay i certainly watched it again also to do my research but i watched it a few years ago when because this this unsolved mysteries is a reboot because you know the original one came out in like the 80s i did not know that yeah and so like all the newer newer episodes are are reboots but because um, we watched several together yeah, we did so i don't we but must they were know. all like about murders and like missing yeah. people but this one was a nice change of pace because it was about ufos yeah <laughs> so like and that's truly unexplained mysteries <laughs> um but i'm going to do a little background on berkshire county in general before we get into the experiences it was founded in 1761 and it's a westernmost county in massachusetts and of the 14 massachusetts counties berkshire is one of eight that exists today only as a historical geographic region with um, and they actually abolished the county government in 2000. Oh. So, so people don't live there. People live there, oh. but it just doesn't have a county government. Okay. Which I don't really know what that means for <laughs> okay. them. But um, it's one of two Massachusetts counties that border three neighboring states, Vermont, New York, and Connecticut. And it is the second largest county in Massachusetts by land area and is home to the highest natural point in Massachusetts, Mount Greylock, which is 3,492 feet. Hmm. And today, Berkshire is known throughout the East Coast and the country as the summer home of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. <gasps> Love that. <laughs> Just a little fun fact to throw in there. At the end. <laughs> but now we're going to rewind back to September 1st, 1969. What was it about that night that changed the residents of Berkshire forever? Well, four families that I had mentioned before claimed to have seen or even been picked up by a UFO. What the fuck? <laughs> and these are the four families that they interviewed for the episode. Mm-hmm. So first, we are going to talk about Jane Green. She lived in Bur- Great Barrington. So Great Barrington is like its own town within Berkshire County. Yeah. But that's like the main focus of this story. Like a few of the families I will talk about had their encounter in Great Barrington. So, she lived in Great Barrington since she was 12. She was a member of a prominent family who owned the oldest Rexall Pharmacy in the Northeast. At the time, she was in her 30s or 40s. I wasn't sure exactly of her age because different sources said different things, but she was an adult by this time. She was a respected citizen of the Great Barrington community and also encountered the UFO. She was driving home with a friend when she sees a huge bright light in front of her car. Her first thought was that there was an accident and all the lights were coming from police cars and first responder vehicles. She pulled over and stopped along with other amazed drivers. And in the interview in um, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, she said that if she ever got Alzheimer's, the one thing that she would always have stick in her mind would be what she witnessed that night. Oh, wow. But it's hard to say. You don't know what you're going to remember <laughs> if you have Alzheimer's. But I think her point was that 
like it it's still so ingrained in her memory that she feels like she will never forget it. It's probably it's not I know it's not the same as a flashbulb memory, but it's like we all know where we were when Michael Jackson died. I think for her it when, probably was a flashbulb memory. Yeah. And at this and during the interview, she was eighty five years old. Wow. She didn't look it. She yeah. looked really good. Um <laughs> So maybe the aliens gave her something. Actually, no, she wasn't abducted. She wasn't one of the ones abducted. But, you know, maybe they all dull sprinkle or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, she described a huge floating object as immense, hovering at eye level, completely silent. That was what she really noticed. There wasn't a motor or anything. It was just there, silent and motionless. There are similarities between, mm-hmm. at least with this, with Jane and, and my story. Yeah, like that, whatever they saw was just so quiet and it was just very still. And in still, their car, too. There. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you haven't seen Nope, have you? No. The Jordan Peele nope. movie that has aliens. <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> but the craft, well, it's not even a craft because you learn that what they're seeing in the sky that looks like a UFO. Wait, don't tell me. Okay. Never mind. If you know, you know. <laughs> but it was very silent. That's my point. Okay. Um, like when they would see it just chilling in the sky, it was quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, within a matter of seconds, the craft started to move upwards and over the mountain. Jane said that this was the most profound experience of her life. And when she came home from the experience, she didn't tell her family because she didn't want to upset them. Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> But when Unsolved Mysteries showed up in Berkshire County asking to make a documentary, she finally told her son what she had seen. <gasps> so she had kept that secret from her family for looked- <laughs> like 30, 40 years? I'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> he looked at her and said, quote, Mom, we saw it too. What? <laughs> Wait. Yeah, um, so her two older sons had seen the UFO and run inside to tell their grandmother, who was babysitting Jane's younger sons at the time. She didn't believe them and told them not to tell their mother because she didn't want to upset her. Oh, my gosh. So all these years, they had seen the same phenomenon and hadn't spoke of it. I would be so mad. I know. Communicate. But she did, however, tell her husband about the event. And he told her, and this was like right after it happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And he had told her to go report it to the radio station to a Tom Jay um, who ran the WSBS radio station in the town. And Tom ended up getting so many calls about that night's event that he called the police to see if they were receiving similar reports. Wait, okay. Now I think I did watch this episode with you, but I have no memory of it. But okay, that good. sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. So it turned out they were receiving calls from all over the county and even wow. in other states from people and families that had no connection to one another that were seeing all this UFO oh t- activity. Um, it was like neighboring states, so yeah. it wasn't like but somebody else was calling them from California. That wouldn't make sense. But <laughs> yeah. So... That's Jane Green. The next person I'm going to be talking about is Melanie Kirchdorfer. On that same evening, just about two miles away, Melanie, who was 12 at the time, was enjoying an ice cream cone parked by a lake with her family. Um, they, yeah, they were so they were parked in the car, and Melanie's dad started to back up into the parking lot when suddenly a great big aura engulfed the car. What? The dad looked up and said, "Holy shit!" Melanie and her siblings screamed and tried to hide as their father exclaims, quote, oh man, we gotta chase this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Despite the kids' pleas 
for him to stay put. Oh my god. And the mom then goes, quote, oh don't worry girls, it's just a shooting star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the girls weren't convinced. Smart Melanie's girls. sister says she doesn't remember anything after that, but Melanie recalls levitating and then being on a ship. As in the car levitating? She, like, she started levitating <gasps> out of her seat, and then she was... On a bam, ship. Bam, she was in a ship. In, like, a boat ship. No, or, like, or a, like space a space ship. ship. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> she that remembers is... being laid out on it. Ew. And I don't know if that's, like, on a table or if Probably. she's just, like, laid on the ground or something. Um, she remembers seeing other children and then seeing them start disappearing out of thin air one by one. What? So she, like, pops up and she's, like, in this spaceship or whatever. And then she sees all the kids and then one by one they start disappearing. Oh, my God. The next thing Melanie remembered, she was alone in the dark on the sandy lakefront left to find her own way home. So she was completely <gasps> alone. Oh, my God. And, like, no, like, couldn't, didn't know where her family was. So she must have been, like, they picked her up out of her parents' car, right? Yeah. And then, like, dropped her further along the lake. Oh, my god! Like, out of the same area that her yeah. parents were parked at. Whoa. And it's not like they had cell phones. It's not like she could no. call her parents and be like, don't worry. Um. How did people do anything back then? <laughs> I don't oh, my know. God. Yeah. Um, so, so that was Melanie. And the next person that we're going to talk about is Tommy Warner. Tommy is the youngest of seven boys and a family that lived in Great Barrington for five generations. Tommy was 10 at the time and had only known the stability of routine of small town life. Then at dusk on Labor Day weekend, 1969, Tommy's life changed forever. Tommy was celebrating his last day of summer with the neighbor kids when all of a sudden he heard a voice in his head that told him, <gasps> you need to go home now. What? He thought God was talking to him. Oh my gosh. So he took off running and he said that he could feel an energy like coursing through him that was fear from the mental telepathy that he just experienced. Like it was like he was pretty much like in just completely taken over yeah. with fear that like drove him to try and run home and his neighbor so he was <laughs> i remember this yeah his oh neighbor God. witnessed him trying to run away but said he was just running in place for about five minutes that is so scary isn't it can you imagine like he's just like <gasps> like running in place and five minutes seems like a long time a to like not realize time. that you're not moving. So he didn't realize oh, no, it actually, at first? I think he... Yeah, because he then said he was running, but he wasn't moving. So I could... I, I'm sure he, like, could tell that yeah. he wasn't going anywhere. Oh, my gosh. Um, and as he was stuck trying his hardest to move, he turned... Like, he, like... He was running, but he, like, turned to look over his left shoulder. Mm -hmm. And that's when he saw the UFO drop out of the sky. <gasps> and the light beam hit him. Oh, my God. And it jerked his arms back. And he felt, like, the air being sucked out of him probably just from the sheer force yeah. of whatever was hitting him. And that's when his neighbors saw him disappear. Like, oh. one minute he was there, and the next he was gone. Oh In a flash, he was gone, and he didn't re reappear for seven whole minutes. But again, like, what if time on the... Right. He could have been there different. for hours, days. And it's during this period of time that Tommy believes he was transported to a UFO. The only thing he remembers seeing from those seven minutes is Melanie's face. Remember Melanie? girl i just talked about wait he saw, saw her the, on the ship who saw the other kids disappearing yes <gasps> and he saw her oh my god she didn't see him like she doesn't remember remember seeing him but he remembers seeing her and like, they that's had like, never met before or had they i think they knew of each other but they ran in different circles right so, like they okay. never like really crossed paths yeah. before 
Um, oh my god! But he saw her, and remembers the look of ultimate, like just all-consuming fear yeah. in her eyes. Um, and so, like I said, she doesn't remember seeing Tommy on the ship, but she does remember meeting him for the first. So I guess they had never actually met before, but mm-hmm. she met him for the first time after the incident and feeling an immediate connection <gasps> to him, which surprised her because they'd lived in the same town their whole lives and never really crossed paths until then. That is so freaky. Right. Oh my God. And the next thing he remembered, he was back in his yard, pinned to the ground by an unexplainable beam of light. And when he was finally re- released, he ran home, terrified. Oh my gosh. I wonder what the neighbor thought watching all of this happened, this poor kid. I mean, they interviewed her too, and she was just like was dumbstruck terrifying. by it, you know? Oh my gosh. Um, okay, and so then the last family I'm going to talk about. This might be the craziest, like, interaction. So the Reed family. Um, the family was driving through Sheffield, which was about six miles south of Great Barrington, on their way home from dinner. Tom Reed, who was nine at the time, still remembers what he saw in vivid detail. His mother, Nancy Reed, was driving, and his grandmother was in the passenger seat. Next to him was his younger brother, Matthew, and he even remembered that the pair had been sharing candy. He was about to give his brother another candy when his grandmother had turned around to tell him not to give it to him as he was too young to have hard candy and could choke. And it was as she was turning around that she noticed the light. The family proceeded to drive through a covered bridge. <laughs> oh boy. Made me think of the the covered bridge in Vermont that you talked yeah, about. Yeah, I know. It was really in long Stowe. too. Like I'll, I will share the, the picture of this bridge. It was very long and like it's kind of like in the middle of like, the, the road looks like it's in the middle of, like, farmland, you mm-hmm. know? Like, there's nothing really going on yeah. around it. It's very scary. Um, but Tom then recalled, quote, there was light coming through the bottom boards of the bridge. As we left the bridge and came out the other side, we saw what looked like a self-contained sphere of white light. And as it rose up maybe two stories, in, it fired several thin directional laser-like rods of what? light from one side to the other. So it was, like, shooting light out of it. Oh, my God. Um, the light then retracted into it and the sphere slowly moved around the line of trees going in the same direction we were, end quote. Um, they were just staring at the sphere of light above them in the night sky. And at that point, everything started to feel odd to them. Tom recalled, quote, it was almost like being underwater. And as the car slowed, you, you know, the tapping sound you get from being in a pool. The sound was stones tapping under the fender of the car, end quote. Tom then said everything became still and quiet, and that's when the family claims they saw it, a turtle shell-shaped disc hovering over the fields to their left. The three objects, the two spheres of light and the shell, made a triangle with the Reed's car smack dab in the middle of it. So they're like seeing three different things in the sky. The car suddenly exploded with light. Not actually exploded, it's just like, you know, engulfed by light. (laughs) Almost like floodlights had been shown upon it. Tom then explained that everything was illuminated in glaring detail. Then a cacophony of noise erupted as crickets and frogs burst into frantic activity on the banks of the Housatonic River. Whatever it was stirred up an insane amount of activity in the surrounding wildlife. That was the last thing Tom and his family remember for three hours, except vague visions of what resembled an airplane hangar, describing it as a large open area that was much larger than the craft was itself, which is very interesting to think about. It's like, it's like, when you read stories about magic or whatever, and it's like, like in Harry Potter, when they go in that tiny little tent and it's just mm-hmm. huge it's so inside. much bigger. Yeah. That's what made me think of that. Um, 
when the family came to, they were in front of the drugstore. Whoa. Nancy Reed and her mother had mysteriously switched positions in the car. What? Her mom was now in the driver's seat, and she was now in the passenger seat, and the car ignition and lights were notably off. Oh, my God. Tom believed that whatever came to visit them or possibly abducted them that night was trying to put them back in a scenario where everything was the same so <gasps> that they would believe they'd just passed out for a oh while for whatever reason. But they messed that detail they, they messed the fuck up. The mistake was that his mother and grandmother were in each other's original positions because Tom said his grandmother never drove. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. That... <sighs> I don't know why, but that detail, like, kind of freaks me out It freaks me out, but it also makes me think, like, okay, so in all of these different stories and, like, in movies and everything, they make it seem like aliens are, like, so much smarter than us and, like, more advanced than us with, like, technology and everything, and then they, like, make make some (laughs) stupid mistakes like that. (laughs) It's just very interesting to me. Or maybe they wanted them to, like... Kind of freak them out a little bit. Maybe. Maybe it was all part of the plan. So I'm going to get into the aftermath now um, after the events that took place on September 1st, 1969. Um, About 40 residents from Berkshire County and surrounding areas reported seeing a UFO, but instead of bringing the community together, it tore it apart. Jane realized the frustration of people in the past who'd reported seeing flying saucers and nobody believed them because now she was one of those people. Mm -hmm. She never talked about it before because she simply didn't think people would believe her and is... Now, so relieved to know that she wasn't the sole witness of the events that transpired that night. Melanie's sister had always believed her, but other than her and her boyfriend at the time, she didn't tell anyone. But now that her story is being told, she wants to ask people, quote, Why would I make this up? It wasn't fun. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't glorifying. And why would anyone want to go through it? I wouldn't want to be abducted. It's not something I would wish on anyone. So if someone wants to doubt it, I don't blame them, end quote. I mean, yeah, there are so many things. Why would people make up things that are only going to bring them ridicule and speculation? Exactly. Like, why would they put themselves through that? Like, some people would be like, well, they just want the attention. It's like, well. Well, do you also, like, were these people even getting money at this point in time for this attention that they were getting? It's not like today where you can monetize everything. Mm -hmm. There's just no reason for them to lie about it. No. Tommy Warner had difficulties throughout the rest of grade school. People tended to avoid him like the plague. He says he isn't participating in the documentary to scare people or hurt them. He's doing it to help them because he believes there are more people out there that know more about what happened that that night. He ended up painting a depiction of his point of view from that night. The painting shows him standing in the yard, enveloped in the beam of light shining down from the UFO above. He said it was therapeutic for him to paint it and stands as a reminder that we're not alone. Wow. And he hadn't shown it to anyone until that episode wow tom reed was the most vocal of his family after the encounter and claimed he had seen ufos several times in sheffield throughout the 1960s he said he endured rampant bullying for speaking about his experience his family was also harassed and at one point tom said they were regularly followed by a white pickup truck one time nancy was followed all the way up their driveway another time at the diner um, that Nancy owned, a man jumped up on the table and exposed himself, saying, Ew. quote, well, Nancy, if you want to see something out of this world, I'll show you something out of this world, end quote. See, like, exactly. Why would this people wish this This is not what people want. Yeah, themselves. exactly. 
Tom said, quote, we went through a lot. There was a lot of struggles. The pain and hardship came from some of the locals, end quote. And less than a year after the encounter, Tom's mother sold the family diner, the village on the green, which is what it was called, mm. and relocated the family to Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Aww. So they lived in Sheffield and then moved to Great Barrington. Mm-hmm. So Berkshire County historian Gary Lavelle, I think is how you pronounce it, took it upon himself to research any reported sightings, but wasn't very lucky. He believes that not a lot of people reported it or published the reports because most likely people thought it was a joke or a scam. He spoke with the former editor of a weekly Great Barrington paper who laughed and said, quote, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about all that, but I thought it was a bunch of hooey, so I didn't put anything in the paper, end quote. (laughs) Oh, Soon after the events of that night, people started coming in to report what they'd seen to the police, and word started getting around fast. Kids would go out of their own, go out on their own, setting up camp to try and catch a glimpse of a UFO, solely based on what they were hearing around town. And in February 2015, the Great Barrington Historical Society and Museum confirmed the Reed sighting and officially inducted the case into U.S. history. Wow. And in doing so, Tom Reed was finally vindicated. And of note, Tom underwent a polygraph test and was found to be 99.1% truthful. Wow. And I'm actually going to read the letter that the Historical Society published on February 6, 2015. To all interested parties, the Great Barrington Historical Society in Massachusetts has formally and officially inducted the first off-world UFO case in U.S. history. The subject encounter involves Thomas E. Reed, a Great Barrington resident born on February 12, 1960, and his family. The event was broadcast on Great Barrington's own WSBS radio station, marking the incident which occurred on September 1st, 1969. This widely witnessed event was issued a high-neck classification, a UFO sighting categorization system developed by astronomer Dr. J. Allen Hynek during the years of Project Blue Book, a study of unidentified flying objects conducted by the U.S. Air Force and was mentioned at the United Nations in 1992. Whereas this renowned case has received international recognition due to factual and corroborated evidence, as well as firsthand testimony, including a recent polygraph test, the Great Barrington Historical Society confirms that the Reed off-world incident is historically significant and true and warrants induction into the GBHS collection. We are grateful to Tom Reed for providing us the opportunity to preserve his remarkable story for future generations. Wow, that's so legit. I know. <laughs> like, it's, on, it's in the Historical Society. They seem upstanding. They, like, they why, do. Why would a historical... Sorry, yeah, Yeah, exactly. it's got to be historically accurate. They're yeah. not going to put falsehoods in there. So a park was founded in 2015 as well on the banks of the Housatonic River by the town of Sheffield, where Tom Reed's off-world incident occurred to commemorate the incident. Tom Reed now manages the park with help from sponsors, and a 5,000-pound granite monument was placed in the park from 2015 until 2019, when it was replaced by a sign which reads, quote, On behalf of the citizens of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, I am pleased to confer upon you this governor's citation in recognition of the off-world incident on September 1st, 1969, which engaged the Reed family, which has been established. Your dedicated service to this incident was factually upheld, founded, and deemed historically significant and true by means of Massachusetts historians. The records highlighting the historic event are now officially part of the Great Barrington, Massachusetts Historical Society's collection and your recent induction into Massachusetts history, end quote. And that is the story of the Berkshires UFO and all of the sightings and interactions experienced by the citizens. That was so crazy. I also (laughs) kept thinking the whole time, how many kids, three out of your four stories involved a car? A car? A car, like people in cars or near cars. Really? 
I think so, right? Because we had the 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 family where the wife and the grandma were switched. Then the one little girl, they were parked by some place just oh, eating ice cream. Yeah. And then the first And then story, Jane was driving. And my story was also people driving in cars. So yeah. I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if it means anything, but I just took note of that. I that yeah, was when you said three of my stories, I thought you meant like in general of the podcast. Oh, and I was no, like no, trying no. to think back. I was like, uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it's just easier because you're like on open roads and like you're not going to be in your house or yeah. if it was nighttime so that you could see the lights, you're going to most likely like most likely to see it if you're on the road or something probably and also you're all i guess you could get out of your car but in a car you're contained so it's maybe easier for the aliens to like get you when you're all contained together in that's your car that's true that's but true i just noticed that I thought that was really maybe it's easier for them to manipulate our technology probably right? mm-hmm. so But, I mean, then I think about Tommy Warner, who got literally halted in his tracks by whatever force that That they were using. That is so crazy. That's the only part of the episode that I remember. Everything else that you were saying kind of, I either was like, maybe I remember that, but not. But the running in place, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, I remember that. That was so crazy. Yeah, and it's. So mine took place in Massachusetts, and yours was in New Hampshire. It's like New England. Yeah, I know. New England's, like, super haunted, and... Has a lot of UFO activity, clearly. Mm-hmm. Also, like, Massachusetts is, like, there's so much U.S. history in that state, so their historians mm-hmm. probably don't, you know, take these things no, lightly. No, they don't fuck around. No. I would, I would highly doubt that they fuck around they in Massachusetts find out. Historical <laughs> Society. No, that was a really great story. Yeah. Um, but now that we've wrapped that up, that brings us to our paranormal protection tip of the week. This week, we're suggesting that you try the all-purpose solution when it comes to repelling ghosts. Salt, such as sprinkling salt water into the corners of a home or pouring some salt over a threshold. And best of all, this solution is as inexpensive as it is effective. Any table salt at the grocery store can work well. As we mentioned in our last episode, you've done this on your windowsills. Yeah, salt is uh, lining my windowsills. And I might line... I might... I don't like sprinkling things on my floor, but I kind of want to line a little bit of my front door because that's my most vulnerable, you know? Maybe instead of actually putting it on the floor, you could get like a little bowl and put a bowl of salt by the... I don't know if that would have the same effect. Yeah. But that way you didn't like... If you're walking around barefoot, you don't get salt on your feet. (laughs) Yeah. Or you could put some salt on the outside of your door in the hallway just like a little bit so it's not visible yeah but that's so true that's there that's true i like that idea mm-hmm. um but before we wrap this up i do want to talk a little bit about like your thoughts on aliens in general like we obviously believe that they exist mm-hmm. right like i feel like it's impossible for us to be the only planet in the entire universe that supports life and i know like we even probably believe i believe and i'm sure you also believe after what we just talked about, that they visited us before. Mm-hmm. But do you think they walk among us? Oh, my gosh. I've never <laughs> given much thought to that. But you know what I was thinking when you were saying that the family, I forget their names, but they were being followed by that white pickup truck. Yeah, the truck. family, yeah. I'm sure that was just a concerned citizen. But my honest-to-God initial first thought was that that was an alien who was sent to, like, trail them the and like well, i don't even know if it was to finish the job but it was to like 
keep tabs yeah, on like them. Yeah, continue collection, basically. Yeah, that was my first thought. So, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I kind of lean toward no, but I also just think that anything is possible, and I haven't been... It hasn't been proven, but it also hasn't been disproven. It, it hasn't. So and I those mean, are my and We talked about the black-eyed kids and the possibility right. of them being um, aliens of some sort. And I think I, I mentioned this last episode. I don't know if I mentioned it this episode again or not. But I listened to the Invoking Witchcraft po- podcast, and there was a whole episode that they did on humans that aren't human. And, like, they each had, like, an encounter where oh, they wow. met somebody that they believed to be an alien. <gasps> And one was a realtor. <laughs> and Tell me went, why that makes sense, And they though. went to go view this property. Actually, I think he was either a realtor or he was, like, somebody that wanted to rent out a room. And, like, her and her boyfriend at the time went to go, like, view the property mm-hmm. and said that it was a complete mess. Oh, my God. And, like, the, the girl is, like, she has her own psychic abilities and she felt like the guy that was showing them the property she felt that he looked at her boyfriend in a way that he wanted to consume him. Ew. And, like, they would just say, like, really weird things that, like, normally normal humans wouldn't. Or I can't remember exactly what, but, like, that's the same thing with the black-eyed kids where yes. they would show up banging on the door being like, I just want some ketchup for my apple. <laughs> it's like, that's what they think humans like. Yeah. Um, and then the guy who hosts that podcast said that he was, like, doing a conference or he was at a Q&A or something because he, like, he's a public figure practicing witch. And so he goes to a lot of... Um, conferences to teach people different things about it and there was this one guy during the Q&A section that raised his hand and was like you know I had um, a session with a psychic medium and she immediately started getting defensive and was like I know what you are don't call back what? and then he was like do you know what I am <gasps> in front of everybody oh my god and he, he was like, he remained calm and was like, that's a great question. Why don't we talk about it later? Like after the session has concluded. Oh and he's like, God. okay. And so they'd go and talk outside like after. And he was just straight up was like, yeah, I think you're an extraterrestrial. Oh my god! And the guy like gave him the most chilling grin. <gasps> and was like, it was almost like he was proud of him and like he was happy that he felt seen or like got recognition and so scary um yeah and basically he was like it was he said that like the boy died so that i could be born or something and it was like he had taken over the body of somebody that was supposed to have died oh my god ew and like that to a degree sounds like the ramblings of a crazy person but at the same time like this this person who has psychic abilities saying that this person is an extraterrestrial. It's like, I was really starting to get existential and thinking like, "Mm, you know, anything's possible again. Like we like to say on this podcast, we literally don't know anything. So (laughs) I think it's possible. Yeah. I, I guess anything is possible. I, not that I want to have an experience, but I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to interact with somebody and have this like innate feeling deep down in your gut that that's not a real that's not human. A human. I've, I can't <gasps> even imagine what that feels oh like. Oh my God. Okay. So I, when those things happen, I feel like it would 
feel like there's a glitch in the matrix, right? Like you're looking yeah. at somebody and they're behaving in a way that doesn't look human. And I that exact thing happened to me at the gym the other day. What? Do you remember what I sent you? of That person doing a crazy exercise <gasps> oh, yeah. and like literally was, <laughs> how do I describe it? Like jumping side to side, um, looking like they were ru- like running in place as like a monster or something. That's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. So that was one person. And then I went to the other side of the gym and there was a guy standing in front of the window like this. Ew. Just standing there. And I, I'm sure he was just stretching his neck. Right. But it was very <laughs> off-putting to see somebody just standing there with his neck tilted to the side like that, staring out the window. Oh, that's and it just, so like, not cool. And this is happening the same day as that person doing a crazy exercise. Like, that's how humans exercise. It was really weird. That is very bizarre. It was very weird. <laughs> the videos that you sent me, she sent me because <laughs> Betsy deleted Snapchat. So now she just Snapchats me by sending me pictures over iMessage with a corresponding caption. And she sent me a video of herself doing the exercise that this man was doing. And it was just very special. Like it's not, I'd never <laughs> seen anybody do any sort of exercise like that at the gym before. It really did not. And I wasn't even look- at Planet, Planet Fitness. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, the mysteries yeah. of Planet Fitness. So, to conclude, I think that there are <laughs> aliens among us. The more I think about it, so <laughs> I don't. What a comforting feeling. I don't know where I stand, but I say never say never. Like Justin Bieber says, never say never. Amen. <laughs> well, that concludes our second little mini episode um, of our UFO series. So, thank you so much for listening. Uh, once again, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at DFWG Podcast. And you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash DFWG podcast for extra perks such as shout outs in future episodes. So shout out to Brittany, Nikki, Jeremiah, and Katie. We appreciate your patronage. <laughs> uh, and make sure also to send in your encounters to our email, dfwgpodcast at gmail.com. And if you have the time, please go ahead and rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because that really helps us out and helps amplify us to other potential future listeners. So, as we conclude today's episode, remember to spray the ghosts away. And always stay away from Ouija boards. Bye, Bye guys!